Well, hello there, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Confused Breakfast Podcast. Do you remember the pure joy of a trip to the video rental store as a kid? I do. The excitement of walking down the aisles, browsing the names and the artwork, and finally picking out the movie you're going to take home with you. Mm. Sure, it's hard to beat the ease of the modern era and streaming platforms where you don't even have to get off your couch, but there was something truly special about making that trip, picking a movie out by hand, and taking it home to watch because watching movies is the only thing you can do during the cold, dark, long long winter session. 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 <laughs> session, season, session. whatever. It's a session. On this podcast, we revisit and dissect some of our favorite childhood movies from that magical era to see if they still move us the way they did as kids. I'm your host, Mike Schulte, and joining me as always, the only two dudes I would ever want to live in Antarctica with, Sean Pryor and AJ Vance. How the heck are you? I think we do a really good job. I think we'd have fun. And, and I, I mean, honestly, if we had like pinball games and a full bar with like bush light neon signs and everything, ping pong table, I think we'd be all right. We'd basically just have the bar we've always wanted to exactly. like go and drink at, but then we get to live there. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's like, it's like friends, cheers, and thing all mixed together. Yeah. It's great. And a little bit of like research. Yeah. That's our work. Oh, research. yeah. Research. Oh, it turns out Antarctica's cold. Hey, uh, how cold did it get today? Really cold. Oh, shit. Well, oh, I'll yeah. write well, that one down. You want to go play ping pong? We'll come back tomorrow. Yeah, let's go. Yeah. I'll, be, I'll be like 10 minutes. I'm going to use a flamethrower for a little while. Just on nothing. <laughs> you know how it's really cold and dry here and things could probably really start on fire? Yeah. Let's just try. Yeah. yeah. There's actually a, there's a fire ban in place. There's a, it's dry season. <laughs> <laughs> well, boys, on this episode, we talk about a movie starring Wilford Brimley before the diabetes. Uh, oh. A movie that is widely regarded as one of the best science fiction horror films of all time. Yes, it is. The number 153rd top rated movie on IMDb of all time. Yes, it is. And John Carpenter's personal favorite film that he's ever been a part of. Yes, it is. We're, of course, talking about 1982's The Thing. It's Wednesday morning. That's it's Wednesday. early. Way too early for you. You're probably sitting in traffic, like me. Why not have your coffee and bacon with the confused breakfast boys? Good morning, boys. Morning. Damn, dang it. Well, if you are new to this podcast, we will be reviewing this movie with a modern eye. But in order to do that properly, we have to talk about it with nostalgia so that we can just pull it away. So, AJ, let's start with you. Tell us the first time you saw this movie and what your nostalgic rating is. Look me in the eye. Never seen it before. Ah. Um, <laughs> you know ah, what? Damn. I went into this thinking it was a completely different movie. <laughs> of course, dude. What movie? I can't tell you. I just remember there's a there's a specific shot, and I think I thought it was Kurt Russell, uh, but it might be somebody else of basically um, them dragging some creature in a trash bag out to bury it, and then like hitting it with a shovel. <laughs> That's the burbs. Is that the burbs? Yeah. Oh, it's, well. it's Independence Tom Day. Hanks. I get him and Kurt Russell mixed ah. up all the time. It's Independence Day. He's dragging him with a parachute. Oh, that's oh, it's a parachute. Ah. Oh no, no, it wasn't Will Smith. Welcome um, to Earth. Welcome to Earth. Slap. Um, I don't know. That's that's all I could think of. And then I I saw this and I was just waiting for that scene. And I was like, this is the wrong movie. <laughs> been about 37 minutes out better think this start is it over be it. <laughs> <laughs> i better start paying attention it's a big so, big fat na for aj big old it's na also gonna be an na for me man mm -hmm. um which you know a lot of people out there listening now are probably like well why is this not an i've never seen yeah. and i will argue 
that the I've never seen series is usually reserved for like eh, kind of movies. Like right. there's a reason you didn't see this because it's bad. Right. But this movie did truly deserve more of a of a of a thorough investigation. So I'm an NA. We got to talk about executive producer David Gould. What can I say about this cinematic masterpiece, The Thing? Yeah. Nothing. Because I've never seen it. Wow. Like your fellow co-host, AJ. He went, <laughs> he, he went and called you out. I it. shy away from the spooky because I found my existence is terrifying enough with a job, wife, and two children. Yeah. Look at the cover. I feel this movie may be about a man who looks like Adam Savage because I watched him recreate a cosplay of the main character on his YouTube channel, Trapped in Ice in the Mountains of Nova Scotia. Okay. The thing, yes. The thing he finds himself grappling with is his mortality and the fact he could never bust that myth about rocket cars. There's a lot of sexual <laughs> innuendos in there that I could have we yeah. played on. The only so, thing he wrestled with and busting through. Never mind. Yeah. So <laughs> all three of us are in N.A. Sean, I'm hoping you've seen this movie or mm-hmm. else this is just a big I've never seen. Yeah. I love this movie. <laughs> oh. Um, <laughs> but we'll get to that later. Oh, wait, wait. Sorry, sorry. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> uh, I think the first time I saw this was actually at my grandma's. She has had a VHS of it, which I have now. Uh, and uh, she was playing it while we were visiting. And while we visited, we usually had cookies and milk because she's a grandma and she's the best. Mm. And while watching it, it made me sick. Like all of the scenes that happened in this movie, all of the things changing into other things made me like physically sick. Mm. Um, it, like, like alien did when I first saw, it, I thought my, when I had a stomach ache and alien was going to pop out of my stomach. Um, this one made me sick and I, I never finished it until maybe, uh, 15 years later where I gave it another shot and I was getting into horror movies, getting into John Carpenter and just thought it was an absolute masterpiece and, uh, may still think about it like that today, but well, we'll th- see. But that's the thing. We need to talk about it nostalgically and then see what happens. Yeah. Modern yeah. Back then I'd have to say I'm probably, probably an 8.8. 8.8 for the Sean nostalgically. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about it with a modern eye, strip away that nostalgia that only Sean has <laughs> and see if it does still hold up. So first we got to learn the pertinent, important details of the movie. Sean, don't take too long. No, I will. <laughs> Shut up, Mike. I'm going to do what I want. <laughs> put my, put my uh, protective goggles yeah. back on for this then. Produced yeah. by Lawrence Truman, Stuart Cohen, David Foster, Larry France, and David Foster. Written by Bill Lancaster, adapted from the novella Who Goes There by John W. Campbell Jr. Some oh. Cinematography by Dean Cundy. Dean Cundy, Dean. man. Deany. The, the, That's what? The 12th, 13th movie that he's cinematogged? Can we call him, uh, can his nickname be The Cundiner? The Cundiner? Cundiner. Cundini? The Cundini. The Cundalingus? Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, Matt Paintings by... <laughs> Matt Paintings by Albert Whitlock, edited by Tom Ramsey. This is serious, guys. Oh, sorry. Special makeup effects by Rob Bottin, <laughs> directed by John Carpenter. Cast, Kurt Russell, Wilford Brimley, T.K. Carter, David Clennon, Richard Dysart, Charles Hallahan, Peter Maloney, Richard Masser, Donald Moffat, Thomas Waits, Joel Polis, and Keith David. The idea to turn John Campbell's novella into an adaptation for the screen was started in the 1970s by the producers. The producers were keen on doing a more straight-up adaptation of the original story rather than a remake of the first loose adaptation, The Thing from Another World, produced by Howard Hawks. John Carpenter was the first to be approached for directing duties, 
But being a more independent filmmaker, the studio was hesitant. Toby Hooper was already on contract by Universal, but after several failed pitches, he was set aside. Other directors like John Landis were in mind, but after the success of Alien, the film really started to gain legs and move forward with John Carpenter back on board. Okay. After several writers took a stab (laughs) on the screenplay, Carpenter was unhappy with almost all of them saying that None of them had the aspect that the creature could be and look like anything. Carpenter was hesitant to write the script himself, wanting another person to write the script so he could focus on direct on being the director this time. Bill Lancaster, who also wrote Bad News Bears, was brought on board to write the script and was encouraged to base the film more off of the novella than the original film. Lancaster scaled down the story dramatically to fit the budget and give the characters a more modern feel. Lancaster and Carpenter would uh, refine the script and flesh out the characters' attributes. Flesh. That's another joke. Cool. Kurt Uh, Russell was on board with the production almost immediately, giving Carpenter advice on the script and characters, but he wasn't quite cast yet because Carpenter had worked with the actor twice already and wanted to keep his options open. Christopher Walken, Jeff Bridges, and Nick Nolte were considered for the role of McCready, but were unavailable. (laughs) Brian Dennehy, Chris Christopherson, Ed Harris, Tom Berenger, Jack Thompson, Scott Glenn, Fred Ward, Peter Coyote, Tom Atkins, and Tom McClinter were, were auditioned but did not make the cut. Jeffrey Holder, Bernie Casey, Isaac Hayes, and Carl Weathers were considered for Childs, with none other than Ernie Hudson being the frontrunner until Keith David eventually was cast. Carl Weathers would have made this a Christmas movie. He would have. Yeah, you're 100% right. <laughs> Principal photography began on August 24th, 1981 in Juneau, Alaska and Stewart, British Columbia. Filming in such frigid conditions, there were many flubs along the way, like a bus transporting some of the uh, crew almost careening down a glacier but only getting stuck in the snow. Camera lenses cracking and breaking due to the cold. Uh, they had to keep the cameras outside. They couldn't bring them in to like warm them up because the lenses would fog. Uh, and Keith David broke his hand two days before he started filming. The thing was released on June 25th, 1982 on a budget of 15 million. The film only gained 19.6 million at the box office. Flop. Um, and that's what we got today. This is John Carpenter's like, uh, what, what Mike said, his, his best movie he thinks, but it was also his most like critically panned as I'm sure we'll, we're about yeah. to find out. And, he was fired off of uh, the movie Firestarter because of this, because this movie flopped so bad. And he made Christine act after this movie as just a money grab. Because uh-huh. like, no, he's like, this is it, I'm done. This was his first huge studio thing, and it just tanked. And now it's well regarded as like a, a horror masterpiece. Uh, and it's just a shame that no one saw it back then. No one saw it that way, at least. I have to make an admission here that um, for some reason, I always think that Carl Weathers and Carl Winslow are the same person, <laughs> which is why I made that comment. Okay. Carl Winslow, well, uh, you know, die hard, you know. Like, yes. I, yeah. My brain's I, kind of uh, weird. Sorry, sorry started, about that, guys. That's why I started talking again to kind of bury the, that <laughs> comment. Well, it's uh, Winslow and the other, uh, who's the guy who makes all the noises. I get Carl Winslow and that guy mixed up all the time, too. So Motormouth Jones. Yeah, you yeah, got I don't, it. I don't remember his yeah. name. 
<laughs> well, we all, we all know you have at least one friend who loves this movie as much as you do. Hit that little share icon. That is one of the best ways to send this podcast out into the world. You got it right on your little podcast app right there. Check us out at confusedbreakfast.com. We got tons of merch. We got our rating system up there. You can see everything. And if you're caught up on all the episodes looking for more, join our friends, are the best people in the world at patreon.com slash confusedbreakfast. There's so much on there for you. We've got like 83 bonus episodes at this point that you can listen to. You get to vote on upcoming movies, private Discord channel. Go check it they out. Are also our friends who voted Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Oh, no, he pulled it out. And uh, they are correct in that assessment. Mm. Mm. Just going to throw okay. that out there. And uh, So be it. I will let the audience know that you two also have this shirt, which you didn't decide to wear today. Well, I forgot. I was trying to do my outfit. Yeah. Yep. No, I appreciate that. I'm just saying. I think Christmas is past. You know, it's probably better to. <laughs> no, no. If it's a Christmas movie, no, I don't no. want it to. I don't hey. want to drag it out and no, do you no, know, no, no, you no. know, sometime around its release date. Even. We need we need some gloating. <laughs> we need some. Everyone needs to know. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, up next, we talk to AJ. He does the research for us, hooks us up with all the ratings and reviews from critics and fans alike. What do you got on this one? Bro? Oh, man. It's this whole big thing called the Tomato, tomato Meter. Wow. Yeah, we got to start there with the Tomato Meter, and that is coming in at 84% certified fresh on the Tomato Meter. Okay, so that brings up a, a huge deal for me right now is okay. that this is made for Sean. So t- yeah. 84%. From the critics for this movie. Do you know what other movie we've done that was 84%? Mm. The Shining. Nice. Which one's better? Um, are you ready I, to say that? Or are you going to save it? Because we're going to know at the end. I think The Shining is a overall better movie for me, but the thing the critics. is... It's, it's apples and oranges. I can't do it. Okay. Mm, it's apples and oranges. 92% for Hey, you brought Christmas up. I'm that was happy my to fault, <laughs> Yeah, 92% uh, audiences said an 8.2 at IMDb. 8.2 takes this to number six of all the movies we've done so far for an IMDb rating. Just better than Jaws. Just better than Jaws. They think uh, the fans out there think this is slightly better than Jaws. I'm into that. Mm, Okay. I think I'm a little more scared of a shark. Yeah, well... I know. Oh, what's what's scarier, a thing or a shark? What kind of thing? Couldn't tell you. <laughs> You're gonna have to wait and find out. Uh, that's the thing. I <laughs> got you again. Okay, this is going well. <laughs> keep it going, guys. Um, got some criticals here. I got to start with uh, uh, the Chicago Sun Times. Roger Ebert. Uh, according to Metacritic, he's given this a 63 out of 100, and I believe that is a revamped uh, uh, review. And okay. rating, okay? Roger Ebert? Roger Ebert. The Ebs? The Ebs. He hated this movie. Hated Initially, it. he did not like this movie. Yeah. Um, but as of, as it sits right now, this is this is what I found for it. Uh, he said, The thing is basically just a geek show, a gross-out movie in which teenagers can dare one another to watch the screen. There's nothing wrong with that. And I like being scared, and I was scared by many scenes in the thing. But it seems clear that Carpenter made his choice early on to concentrate on the special effects and the technology and to allow the story and the people to become secondary. Okay. Okay. Yeah, what, okay. Whatever. Whatever. Fine. Okay. You guys don't like that one. Oh, let's just only talk about good things. <laughs> uh, what's your deal, man? What's your deal? <laughs> you got an attitude today, bro. <laughs> Uh, I I, I kind of like this one. Uh, 
just some of the things that he had, he had mentioned. Uh, Empire, Adam Smith, 100 out of 100. The Thing is a peerless masterpiece of relentless suspense, retina wrecking visual excess, and outright nihilistic terror, uh, placing 12 men at an uh, Antarctic station with it while a shapeshifter takes them over one by one. Okay, spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I love that he's, he calls it like a, a peerless masterpiece. I do, I agree with that. We'll kind of get there. I think that there's a lot to be had with the visuals of this movie, if there's anything for me. Um, let's just let's just jump on over, guys. Uh, uh, I found a 10 out of 10, um, and I think it's worthwhile. 10 out of 10, digging up scorched bones. Scorched bones must be that. Scorched. Uh, said Reagan Mager. Um, what? What? <laughs> Uh, one of the biggest horror sci-fi treasures, unbelievably chilling after even after 40 years. Mystery, terrific acting, astonishing practical effects, and dark claustrophobic mood set by the plot and scenery are a founding stones are founding stones for this masterpiece and a lesson about passion and artistry for next generations. No stupid comedy fillers like you can see that you can see here the dialogues have weight to them uh, the people are truly terrified about the situation which they have found themselves in without easter eggs puns and breaking the fourth wall as a separated laudation i'd like to thank Ennio Morricone yeah uh, for this minimalistic cold theme piercing uh, cold theme piercing throughout the film absolutely chilling those bass notes wow those he got bass a, notes. he got a Razzie for worst score did he really uh, when this movie came out which is funny because um, his Oscar that he got was for Hateful Eight, and it had several notes of the Thing score inside of that score. Yeah, so it just goes to show you Razzie means nothing. It, be, it means and nothing. It's Call kind of, us. Kind of what uh, Rotten Tomato reviews kind of mean nothing. <laughs> sort of. Kind of like what our opinion is, you guys. It yeah. literally means nothing. It's kind of what this movie's saying is that nothing means anything. Nothing means anything. All right, that's it, guys. Good job. <laughs> we did it. Well, I didn't think it was gonna, the way it was going to end, did you? <laughs> Let's just do one more here. I'm going to pick this one. I, you know what? It's it's classic us, and I love it. One out of ten. So us. Uh, aptly named The Thing. Okay. This is the worst movie I have ever seen. As Kurt Russell did in the movie, this film should be burned. <laughs> the 50s version was much better. I mean, hey. <laughs> <laughs> And the ending was terrible. <laughs> it's like, it like when they say things are bad. Uh, <laughs> I have never seen this before, and now I am sorry that I did. This is a case of bad filmmaking. <laughs> if you're thinking of watching this movie, say it all together. Don't, Don't waste, waste your, your time. time. <laughs> Oh, thank God. I like. <laughs> oh. I was about ready to hit play. Look. I had to get on real quick, make sure there was no bad reviews. Thank <laughs> you. You'll Sir, never, thank you. Dude, thank I, have, you. So I have a crazy story for you guys. Dude, I was about to watch the thing, and I was like, I just logged on the internet just to see what people thought about it, and the guy told me not to watch it. Almost watched oh. it. Oh, dude. Luckily, I saw that, too, and I watched the 50s version instead. Oh, good. It's so much better, Oh, right? man. That was a much better use of my time. Yeah, Howard Hawks, John Carpenter. <laughs> it's, just, it's just light years apart, yeah. you know? Yeah, get on this. Get on his level, John. Yeah, come on, God. 
Well, before we, before we get started on the scene-by-scene scene breakdown <laughs> of this me. amazing movie, we got to talk about this message that I received from our friend Sam Noble. Here's what he said. I just wanted to write about your sponsor, Cedar Ridge, who you've mentioned a couple times. A couple? Yeah, right. <laughs> Come on now. I live in Congleton, England, and have never heard of Cedar Ridge, but being a whiskey lover and a big Slipknot fan, it piqued my interest. Fuck yeah, dude. So, six, so much six, six. Right? So much so, I must have mentioned sublimity. Subliminally to my wife, who bought me a bottle of Slipknot Number no. Nine for Christmas, sent all the way over to England. I've already enjoyed a few glasses with a mince pie. No clue what that tastes like. <laughs> that was me interjecting. I am absolutely loving this whiskey and can't wait to try a few different bottles. Just wanted to say thanks for the recommendation and keep up the good work. Only one last thing to say: at 41 years old, I am a little bit older than you guys. So, uh, well, <laughs> hey, right. cheers, 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 to that. cheers. So you heard it here first: Cedar Ridge whiskey's taken over. Iowa, taking over the Midwest, the U.S., and now it's over to our friends across the pond. If your local store doesn't have it, you can do what they did. You can order it online directly to your door at cedarridgewhiskey.com. You have to check them out. We have a bottle of J&B scotch on the table. We actually dumped it out and put the Cedar Ridge quintessential American single malt in its place because... Which is a sin oven in itself, but... Well, it's a sin to make a really bad scotch. Yeah, that's true. And most scotch is terrible, but Cedar Ridge makes this uh, quintessential single malt that is just uh, it's perfection. So we went ahead and put it inside the J and B bottle because you know we, we really need, what we we're need gonna, props. What we're going to use the actual J and B liquid for is actual Molotov cocktails, like right. Kurt Russell does in this. This movie, is our so. last episode. Yeah, we're burning this place down. Yep. <laughs> so stick around. <laughs> well, we will get there. Oh, we'll get there. CedarRidgeWhiskey.com. 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 Well, boys, what do you say that we sign up to go live in Antarctica as part of a research team? Yes. The average winter temperature is minus 60 degrees. Winds typically blow above 100 miles per hour. The sun doesn't rise for weeks at a time, and there aren't any women. But hey, we have old VHS tapes, plenty of booze, and good fellowship. Nothing could go wrong, right? All right. Yeah, no, I don't think so. Here we go. All right, so scene one. In Antarctica, a helicopter pursues a sled dog to an American research station. The researchers witness as the passenger accidentally blows up the helicopter and the pilot. The man shoots at them and is shot dead in self-defense by station commander Gary with two R's. The American helicopter pilot McCready... Can we? Is it McCready? I hear McCready. a lot. Of people, okay, a lot of people say MacReady. No, nope. like no, it's McCready. Get out of here with that. Good. McCready and Doctor <sighs> Cooper leave to investigate the Norwegian base. Among the charred ruins and frozen corpses, they find the burnt corpse of a malformed humanoid, which they transfer to the American station. I was just imagining while on this rewatch, uh, when the flying saucer does come into frame, the lights and everything like that. I was just imagining rave music being... <laughs> That's why the UFO crashed, actually. They were in yeah. the middle of a party. Just partying way too hard. Just, too, too much Molly going there's on. just a lot lot going on, and then they're just like, oh, crap, there's a rock. Oh, no, Xander. <laughs> Turn your wheels, Xander. It's a rock. <laughs> oh, it's a big rock. Ah. <laughs> I know. I actually, I, actually have an, I actually have an issue with this. Um, I did read that this spaceship intro... Like was a real thing, yeah, and they it's built a model. it, and it took like six months to build for five seconds of screen time that I would argue shouldn't have been there. Yeah, like like it's it sort of it sort of says, oh, 
aliens. Oh. But then, like, so we already know that. I kind of tried to think of it had I not seen this, had not seen this intro, it would have been funner, more fun to learn that, mm. that, oh, they found the space, there's a spaceship underground, what the hell? So I, I just kind of was like, man, that seems weird. I know why they put it in there, because, like, we spent fucking six months on this. Like, Well, that, and I think, yeah, uh, I think another there. reason, I think I agree with you, too, but I think another reason is that, you know, like, Alien, the success of that, they wanted people to know right away. Aliens. That, that they're watching a sci-fi, a sci-fi okay. horror movie. Right, right, right. right. Um, so I, I think it. that's probably it, and it was just it, kind of like of the time. But at that point, like you're you're thinking about it from a modern era of Netflix. Like, oh, I'll give this a shot. Yeah, you know, oh, never mind. I'm going to watch something different. There, people have already gone to the theater and rented this movie. Yeah, like, they're already in. They're, they're yeah, you committed. don't have to sell them on that. They're like, well, I'm here. Yeah, I I do agree. I think it would have been more fun to make the discovery with the crew or with yeah. with McCready and with, when they here? did this, you know, yeah. and because um, otherwise. I mean, I feel like that sets you up. Um, having having now watched this the first time, I guess I'm trying to remember if I thought that the dog was something other than a dog. Unfortunately, mm. I read the description of the movie because mm. <laughs> had, had you not known what this was, you would have been like, why are they shooting at this dog? I know. Which I still was. I'm like, ah. but I kind of was already going, okay, I'm assuming this dog is is something that's bad, you yeah. know. Even though it just, it, it, God, watching that dog run too, yeah, it reminds me. If you don't, if you don't live in a he- place where heavy snow happens, walking through snow sucks. And you're seeing <laughs> this dog like struggle to run. This beautiful, majestic creature that can run like 50 miles an hour is just like, God damn it! Fucking, yeah, ugh, I can't get out of here. I feel like, uh, like I, you're I, running I, in, a, in a dream or something. Yeah, you can't exactly, move. you can't. <sighs> 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 You're just trying to move faster. I'm in a fight <laughs> in my dream. Why can't I punch anybody? So my thing is uh, with with the with the dog and the opening. I want to I want to remove that music or any or whatever the intro music was, and then it's just them shooting. And I want to put in like the theme of like Homeward Bound or something. <laughs> I think that would be fun. I think that'd be a fun one. Okay. TikTok, make it happen. Well, speaking uh, of Mentos commercial, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like, we can't do it every episode. <laughs> yeah, and then and then the Mentos, the fresh baker, would be him jumping into the arms of Clark. <laughs> <and> then, <laughs> um, it's a dog Mentos commercial. Speaking of, uh, yeah, Mentos, bacon, yeah. bacon strip. There's something in there. You got it. Um, speaking of the music, what do you guys think of the music by Ennio Morricone? It's kind of interesting because I can get how it doesn't like how they maybe would have said bad things about it. I can understand that, but at the same time, um, it really works. It, it's it's like ice. It's just like basic, which is where they're at. Like mm-hmm. there's nothing. There's no color to it, which is where they're at. They're just in this place where it's just like wind sounds, you yeah, know. Yeah. So it's kind of monotone. Uh, at one point, I'm thinking like, holy shit, this is just the Halloween theme music. Whereas, don't don't. Yeah. Don't, don't. It's like, that's Halloween. It's, <laughs> you know, it's the same. I, I thought wrote, about like he, T2, you know, did almost. He do, did he do Halloween to this guy? Or no, no, John Carpenter has done mo- like almost all of his scores for every single one of his okay. movies. And I think this is the exception. This is the only exception, I believe. Which, what's his name? Uh, Ennio Morcone was just like, oh, fuck. I'm just going to do what he did in Halloween. Yeah. Because he probably likes that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, he's like, I'm this just going to write vibe. a, I'm just going to write a John Carpenter score for Basically. John Carpenter. Well, I love it. I think, like you say, I think it's super simple, and there's something about this style that I consider like John Carpenter style of totally. music and theming that makes me it it puts me into the '80s mm-hmm. and of this like um, that that '80s kind of vibe. 
Um, it, it's like, I, I wish I could see John Carpenter do like a, a serious tone rad racer or something, and <laughs> have him write the music behind it and everything. It's great. Uh, I, I love, I mean, I don't love the, him shooting at the dog and th- trying to throw grenades and shit at it, but, uh, I love cutting into the, like the rec room and seeing the crew and everybody just playing ping pong, people reading magazines, drinking, just like, not a phone in sight, not a phone <laughs> in sight, just hanging out, being dudes, just guys being dudes, just Kurt Russell playing a, a chess machine mm-hmm. that's, you know, I don't even know if it existed or not. Probably not. No. And dumping J and B in it, which is what you do with J and B, I yeah, guess. But you just dump it into stuff. Yeah. He's just, they're just right. Like, do you know much about Antarctica? Can we set the stage here? Yeah, I did a please. little research of like why they do research. There, right. But go, go ahead. There's a documentary called Antarctica, A Year on Ice. It came out in 2013. Um, it's on Prime, maybe. I think you can find it. Everyone should go watch it. It is completely and utterly fascinating. A guy that's really good at like um, uh, visual, uh, what do you call those? Like where you speed up video. Time lapses? Time lapses. Yeah. And he he just puts together some of the most beautiful imagery you've ever seen, but it documents an entire year on Antarctica and what happens. And so from from February to August is is winter, right? Because we're su- southern hemisphere. There during the summer, so from September to January, it's hustle and bustle. There are like five thousand people on on the continent of Antarctica doing research, doing things, building things, rebuilding everything that happened from the winter. Then. Everyone leaves. One final plane takes off and leaves and is gone. And no one else will ever get in and out of there for six months. There's an entire month of darkness in June, which is the middle of winter. Category three, four, five, and hurricanes all winter long. Uh, It's it's an unbelievably isolated place. It's just uninhabitable, Mm. like almost all, all 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 of the time of the year. Yeah. So so th- and, th- and what's really cool? I did read that uh, apparently the, most of the research stations will watch the thing yes. as part of their midwinter feast and celebration, which is he- held on the darkest, <laughs> longest <laughs> night of the year. Which kind of so I watched. Um, uh, what's the shit? I'm so sorry. Devil's Tower. Uh, Close Encounters uh, of the Third Kind. Oh yeah. I've yeah. watched that on a on a screen outdoor screen right next to Devil's Tower. Oh right. It's on. fucking creepy. Yeah. Because you're like, that's where it happened. I can't imagine watching this in Antarctica <laughs> yeah. with no way out. I would love that. Unbelievable. I, yeah. I I I I want it and I don't at the same time. But <laughs> I, I love the thought of like all those guys watching it and being like, yeah, it's a pretty funny fun movie, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. Right, well, I'm gonna go back to my 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 shack. You want me to come with you, man? No. No, I just no. Okay, I got a, I got masturbation to do. You, you, <laughs> seem, you seem real different. Right I want to be. <laughs> Leave me alone. You're not acting like yourself. Uh, what, one thing you do learn in this documentary is that helicopters do not fly in the winter. They are only a summer vehicle, and then oh. they cannot fly. Like nothing can be done in the wintertime because it is that cold, okay, and that dangerous. So uh, this movie's already losing points. Well, it's not that cold in here. I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, speaking of you taking off of your jacket, I think I'll just make mention of this right now. I think honestly, the most like a non-believable part of this movie is is Kurt Russell surviving in his jacket. <laughs> And uh, apparently a, 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 a hat of some sort. Ooh, here's a prop. I got it. I called it. I, I made you press the button. This is the reason why I came up with this whole thing, the, the prop thing. Yeah. I Years ago when I saw this movie, I'm like, I, I want like a, a Reddit thread or something like that where people are just picking props yeah. from movies that they really want. This is my number fucking one. 
I want this hat so bad. I almost said it just to be a dick. I, I, dude, I came but in I, here and he said, I, "You just go, don't say it." I like, I'm sorry. <laughs> I would, I would have bargained any of my other props to just get this one prop because this is the one number one for me. The, old, my the Gus Chiggins old prospector hat. Just, it seems weird to me that you're wearing this in a helicopter. I don't know, but I don't even care because he looks so awesome, like a prospector, just like you're looking for gold. I don't know. It's I, the weirdest looking hat I've is. ever seen. It really is. I want whatever connection was made to wear this hat for this character. You know, <laughs> I want. I want to know. Just give me that connection. I know you don't want to give a lot of like exposition, John Carpenter. Just give me that, and I'll be fine. The <laughs> Maybe rest show of the movie. us an old photo of him where it was like a normal hat before it got all super bent on four <laughs> yeah. sides. Him just, with like his best friend who died, and he's like, yeah. "I'm sorry, I will always wear this hat for the rest of my life." <laughs> it was my best friend's hat. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's still got it's still got the arrow ho- holes through the sides <laughs> yeah. of where the arrow went through. Now it's we're like, talking. <laughs> then I would have fought you for the hat. I'll give it to you. Although you know, having grown my hair out, I feel like I would have looked pretty good in that hat. Mm. <laughs> I feel like I would have looked pretty good. <laughs> I feel like you would have looked good in it too, but I would never let you have it. Thank you. I'd also have a hard time wearing it out in public, but you know. I, I, it, honestly, me too. Um, All right, what prop you going? You want, I, I'll tell you what I want. I, I want a flamethrower. Yes, I because do I want to just. That's how I want to shovel my driveway with a flamethrower. <laughs> I want th- during I love winter that. time. I want to get rid of the snow on my driveway that way. That sounds great. So I think I'm I'm going more practical with my prop. You know, um, I don't real life usage. I, I'm going to go again. Apparently, there's just zero, really zero context to it. Um, I'm going to go with the noose. <laughs> That's pretty good. And I'm not, not in a weird way. I'm just like, like I think. Kill me now. I have, I have some theories behind it and everything. Okay. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm going to go with the noose, and hopefully that'll serve as a reminder to talk about it when it comes up. All right. So, so these Norwegians like, are shooting at this dog, throwing grenades at this dog, and it's just like, you're a horrible shot. You're a horrible shot. Like, Jesus, man. <laughs> Really bad. It's just a dog. <laughs> well, and, and like they're just like are Norwegian are all Norwegians just stumbly bumblies? You take yeah. a grenade and you pull it, and then when you throw, yeah. oh shit! What is what is this like Coyote and Roadrunner? What's going on here, bro? <laughs> oh well. I also, you guys know I'm I'm a I'm a big fan of helicopters. Yeah, uh, there's I'm going to explain to you the physics of helicopters. The reason they were created is so that they can just hover in one place. Okay. And they can just hover and they can turn. And so instead of just flying at 200 miles past the, the an hour past the dog, right. they could just slowly follow that dog as steady as possible to nail it. <sighs> what a bunch of fucking idiots. <laughs> Uh, no, so, seriously. They're literally right. like going past the dog. <laughs> just just t- stop. Yeah. Turn the helicopter sideways and shoot the dog. Look, they're stressed. They're sleep deprived. Come on, Mike. Give them a break. Okay. <laughs> they just Somebody Bill, needs a Mentos. They just saw walked in Jesus. on Bill with all of his body organs slashed. And, yeah. Jeez. They saw, they saw that and they were like, get the dog. Even though it didn't look like a dog attack. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> There's that one point when that helicopter is like strafing the, the outpost that the dog is in frame and the helicopter's low enough where the dog actually got freaked out. I saw out. that. I saw yeah, that. I was like, oh, shit. I'm Jeez. like, oh, I feel bad for that I dog. I do, too. What is, uh, what is he saying? There's, I got somebody, you. Somebody's got it out there, right, That the of what the Norwegian guy so is saying. He says, Sit till helvet ug come der wit vik. Det er ik, and he says a bunch of other random okay. bullshit. I was like, "You commit to this?" I'm not bro? gonna do it. No. <laughs> um, the translation is "Get the hell out of out of there." That's not a dog. It's some sort of thing. It's imitating a dog. It isn't real. Get away, you idiots. 
So if you yeah. if you spoke English and Norwegian, this movie would have been ruined for you. Yeah. Well, that's well. Right away, you would have been like, "Wow, well, well, we can't release it in Norway." It's like, well, that's where we're going to make all of our money. <laughs> Shoot. Well, that's. <laughs> <laughs> they they love the cold. Um, <laughs> it's crazy sweets. You're, you're right. It's. Uh, I feel like it could have just as easily been like one of those guys maybe spoke spoke a little Norwegian. You would think, and maybe. he's like, he's like, get away from the dog. Oh, get away from it, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and he just. Like, and then I think he said, "Get away from the dog." And then they put the dog down, unfortunately, and it's sad. But then you then you kind of realize, and then it's just like executive producer Dick Wolf, and <laughs> yeah. it's all done. And then, like out in Antarctica, <laughs> out in Antarctica, they do like sky burials. They just do flame burials with everybody who dies out yeah, there. Yeah, so yeah, they, the they would just burn it, yep. and bury it, and they'd be good. Yep. Or they're just they're a little rusty on their Norwegian. They're like, I think he said, "Let that dog kiss you." He's really nice. Yeah. Something about a dog. Dog. Well, kisses. I love dogs. <laughs> Well, have Clark Clark come on over. He loves dogs. He'll kiss the kiss the dog. Easy. Is Easy. this Easy. is this dog the best actor of the movie? Uh, apparently, according to everyone on set, just it's about yeah, un- <laughs> unbelievable how awesomely perfect this dog was for this role, and how fucking creepy it was. Like even even that moment where it's kind of funny. I'm like to put myself in the dog's position where they they leave. They're like, we're gonna go, and he's kind of looking out the window yeah. at him. I like to think that he's like, dude, I was ready to settle down and become an actual dog, but you got to go figure out what the hell happened. So now I'm going to have to kill all you guys. Dude, being you a dog is great. You could have just left well enough alone. All I, I do is sleep and fucking get treats, <laughs> fucking run around. I just, ran here. I'm just, uh, <laughs> I ran here. Exercise, food, this ain't bad. But they do a really good job of making it ominous with the score, though. Yeah. Uh, whenever that dog is in frame, you're like, Okay, why is it so creepy? Why is the music creepy? What the yeah. hell is going on here? It's it's awesome. There is the point that with the dog of and like even with the creepiness, like I kind of want some sort of a recut where the dogs can talk, <laughs> and there's just like <laughs> so it's just like Jed the dog is just like looking out the window as like they're doing everything, and he's just like, huh. <laughs> don't go, don't. Yeah, I'm gonna have to kill everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Might as well get some sleep before they get back. Yeah. <laughs> he's also like, what the fuck kind of hat is that? <laughs> like, I'll, I'll how, go. Do you, how do you wear that in a helicopter? <laughs> <laughs> Seems like it'd be crowded in there. It doesn't seem practical for this weather. Anyway, I'm going to go bite this motherfucker. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to go kill this guy. <laughs> disturbing. Um, yeah, he's like, I thought I was disturbing. The hat's really freaking me out. Uh, <laughs> now, it, yeah, this hat angers people. <laughs> <laughs> angers a lot of people. Just the sight of it. <laughs> kind of does. Uh, so they go to the Nor- Norwegians' camp. Um, and spoiler, I guess, is that this camp is Outpost 31 cool. set. It's just when they blew it up in the end, they just reuse it. And it was actually uh, the writer, uh, I forget his name, uh, but his idea to do that, to like cut costs back because it was already pretty expensive. Yeah. Um, so I just think that's brilliant. Like they're just like, yeah, we're just going to use the already blown up. Yeah, it just seems practical. Mm, makes sense. Genius. I, uh, when, they, when they walk in, they seem pretty stoic about looking at a frozen guy whose throat is slit, whose arms are slit. Like, I'd just be like, shit! Yeah. Fuck! Well, and shit, not even fuck. Not <laughs> even that, dude. Like, that, if that's bad enough, this, this room was locked, and this man did it to himself. Yeah. Something, like, if I saw someone that had done that in a panic, like, I'd be like, this is not good. Mm. So, yeah, and this also, to me, adds to, I do think there are good characters, characterizations here. 
You know, like all of their names are pretty obscure. Like Windows yeah. is Windows because he has glasses on. Pretty awesome. Um, I I really do think uh, like them looking, especially McCready at this point, they all look like they've gone through some shit. And I think McCready is like a war veteran. I think he's like a um, a Vietnam vet who was like a helicopter pilot that makes in sense. Vietnam. Um, and I think he's like, this is some shit. Like it, I can just kind of see that on his face. I I think that the characterizations bartering that there might not be enough for other people. I think there's enough for me. Well, if you are going, that's kind of what I was getting at earlier. If you are going to be someone who lives in Antarctica for those six months of pure and complete isolation, you got to be pretty badass. Yeah. Yeah. You have to be. Well, you got to want to be there for like, he seems like also like his, like when he came back from war, you know, like it, it didn't go well for him in the real life. So mm-hmm. he's like, I gotta, I gotta be somewhere where I'm just like, not, and yeah. not in front of or with a lot of people. That's true. Yep. Yeah. Um, what do you do? You guys have any thoughts on like him finding where they dug up the alien? I didn't get it. Yeah. At first, like upon the first like whole watch and everything, they found the alien, or well, they found the one Lock that was ice. Yeah. Well, they found the weird face. Yeah. Is that the most iconic face of the movie? Like that's it's, what I feel like I've seen that face before without having seen this movie. Like the double face. The, yeah, the double face guy thing. Like it's caught in mid assimilation yeah. or something like that. And yeah, I, like that was weird. I see all those things. Is that a man in there? I love that line. <laughs> yeah. Uh all those things there's 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 a lot to be desired, I guess. And maybe maybe one of the things is um uh, locking myself down to maybe focus better on the movie to try to take more things in on screen because I think I started to do that on the second and third watch of it. But I don't know. It's just uh, it left more to be desired there, more understanding, I guess. And they were more freaked out by the block of ice than <laughs> yeah, they were by the guy the who blood was... blood popsicle? Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah they, they were they were more creeped out than that, than the, the T-1000 mid whatever, you <laughs> yeah. know, who, who, <laughs> who malfunctioned. Yeah, in the lava. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically it. <laughs> well, let's move it along. So scene two, that night, the new stray husky is locked in a kennel with the team's sled dogs. The new dog suddenly transforms into a hideous creature and starts attacking the other dogs. The entire camp converges on the kennel and kill it with a flamethrower. The following day, McCready flies with Palmer and Norris to the site where the Norwegians were working. After discovering an alien spaceship, Mac theorizes that the Norwegians awakened the creature after thawing its ice block and immediately began to attack them. So the other thing, Sean, that I think I'm most pissed at you about for making me watch this is um, you very you you very well could have just said, "Hey, uh, it's kind of a dog horror movie," <laughs> and so I, like, are you implying a werewolf movie? Yeah, yeah, and, and I've just got Scout hanging out with me. Yeah, I'm like, you've got to look away, buddy. I'm sorry, you got to look away because <laughs> these are your brothers. These are your these are your friends. He was watching that dog in the very beginning. My dogs were. He too. was just like, oh wow. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Look at that. It's like the Brad Pitt of his, like, they all know yeah. who he is. <laughs> Holy like, shit, is that Jet? Jet? <laughs> I've only heard stories of Jet. Oh, man. He's, I, it's been a while. I haven't seen him in actually anything. I used to have anything. a poster of Jet in my bedroom. Yeah, in my, in my kennel. <laughs> oh, man. I'm hanging on there, up there and everything, right right next to the, the, the one chick from Lady and the Tramp. Yeah. And uh, all, all shaved. D- stop. <laughs> Uh, you, this is your fault. You no, go I think we're even. Yeah. A, the, see, see this, see this. There's a line, uh, and you cross. Oh, it. All right. Yeah. So, but no, like that. This all, all of a sudden just be, becomes. Uh, by the way, 
There's no redemption. You're hurting dogs. And I, I hate it. Well, yeah. And I think I, they want you to hate that thing right away. Yeah. No. I, I think mm. that it, um, that the part of it that I don't like is that it looks like when it's trying to assimilate another dog, like in a corner, McCready shoots it. Yeah. And that's when Clark is like, no, no. And he tries yeah. to get McCready to stop. Like, it, that's, that sucks for me. And it sucks yeah. that the, this is happening to dogs anyway, but this is a horrible monster. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it does have to happen, I think, to understand like the, terribleness of it, I guess. You know what I mean? Because we've always said it a hundred times. What's worse than hurting or killing an, an innocent human? Yeah. Killing an innocent or yeah. be, like dog or cat or I didn't really animal. care too much when some of the humans in this, <laughs> yeah, and, in this movie died, but the minute the dog's getting in trouble, I'm like, eh, I don't want to watch this anymore. I think two of them got away, so we can take that. Yeah. Okay, cool. And I think that's the, a victory. The more important yeah. Yeah. ones got yeah. away. Yeah, the, you're, the better athletic ones right. got away. They were, they were, um, I, there were definitely moments that I was sitting there just thinking, I think I deserved it anyway. <laughs> But then it's like, the dog. No. AJ, one thing's for sure. I have it in my notes. I'm never going to your house ever again. Okay. After after how creepy this dog is walking down that hallway. Yep. I'm just, I can't, I can't look at Scout can't ever Can't look again. at Scout the same Scout's way. Scout's looked at me that way before. I'm like, oh God. He's got that, he's got me? that little thing in his eye too. It's yeah. like, I'm not sure if he's actually full dog. Every he's now and again. eye gleam, but then sometimes it goes away. But sometimes yeah. it goes away. I know. Mm, we'll talk it's kind of strange. It. We'll talk I, I do want to bring something, two things up to you, Sean. One thing, you know how much I love Halloween and you love Halloween, uh, Carpenter. There were a few moments where he showed, before this dog assimilation, he just showed empty rooms mm-hmm. and hallways. That is such a Halloween shot. He does it several times too. Oh my god! Yeah. Like it immediately just makes me like, ugh. like you just feel uneasy just seeing these empty rooms with that score. And then also, who's the shadow guy in the room when the dog walks? It's in? it's completely vague. I don't even think Carpenter. I think he used someone like a like a grip on set, like not even one of the actors at all. Like uh. he wanted to keep it extremely ambiguous and didn't want anybody to even allude. To and it. what's and what are we thinking happened here? The, the dog mean, just went in the room, went in the room, and maybe and cuddled and sl- slept and got warm. Or? Because there's another the scene before this too, where he's under like the table yeah. and then playing poker. He gets, uh, I think it's um, copper, not copper, uh, the guy who got shot. I got oh, shot Bennington, today. Bennington. Yeah, Bennings, Bennings, Bennings. Um, so I think like maybe there he he met a bit. Ben- there's a whole thing like, of like who you, we're gonna, who we and when we'll get into that. Who We've turned got a first? Lot or whatever. Questions yeah. about yeah. that later on. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, I do like that scene though because it's creep city and it's it, creep. Like, city. Jed Jed being the one of the best actors in this movie yes. is like he's moving down the hall, not looking at the camera at all. Never once. Right. Not even the crew members. Just fo- focusing on his trainer. I assume. Yeah. Um, I do like before this too when they're looking at the thing that they brought from the Norwegian camp Carpenter focuses on like he does like a tracking shot of all of their faces looking at one another it's just like you can tell in their minds they're just like what in the fuck is this shit we are in for some shit didn't sign up for this yeah but yeah and so what this is where the effects really take off Um, I will say that this monster in particular was not Rob Bottin this is Stan Winston Mm. uh, because Rob Bottin who did the all of the other effects in this movie uh was working 24-7 and had, like, maybe, you know, like, he had a minuscule budget. They upped it eventually, but he was, wasn't was working with that many people. It was mostly just him. He designed all of these things. Um, and so he collapsed from exhaustion and had to be hospitalized. And so he asked Stan Winston to do this effect You're talking the about dogs. the dog one? Yes. Yeah. Um, and Stan Winston uh, – uh, congratulatory enough. I, I like this about him. Where he's like, I'm not, I don't want my name on the movie. Like this is Rob's movie. Oh, okay. And so that was super cool. But what do you guys think of the effects here and subsequent as we move along? This is the stuff that 
is creepy, and uh, uh, up to this point, I'm fine with it. I still think it looks pretty good. It, it's terrifying enough, I think, without being over the top to a degree. Evil um, Dead. Yeah, yeah, without like that, going that far. Yeah, Evil Dead went that far for me. This right. one was like, okay, I think we've found an, an okay spot. Yeah, this is like this is terrifying. Um, and and even though it's dogs, you're like, I want it dead. <laughs> <laughs> Just yeah, get the flamethrower. Just go kill that, please. Well, yeah. Especially like when the when the little thing comes, like the flower comes yeah. out and like pops out. It's it's supposed to be like dog tongues. Like a bunch of dog tongues with like dog teeth in it, like the, mm. the thing that sprouts and demigorgon. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Um, but yeah, after they after they kill it, it's you just gotta be like, what in the fuck? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then radios don't work. <laughs> do, do you Things think, start going wrong. Do you think? I know. I think people have talked about this before, and I, I feel like it's probably been shut down mainly due to like the sequel prequel. But we're not mm. going to deal with that. I'm wondering if there was a Norwegian who actually got off the continent. Because the winter had just started right now. These guys are in for the long haul. Maybe a Norwegian actually got off that was already assimilated, Mm. and they're probably trying to reach Australia, New Zealand, something like that. Maybe he went for his first flight there and then has completely assimilated the rest of the country, and it's in pure chaos, and that's why they can't reach out. Uh, That's why the radio's not working. Yeah, that's terrifying. Right? So the whole (laughs) rest of the world's already already gone. Yeah. And they just don't know about it. I like that a lot. I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds awful. And that's fun to think about. Stuff and that's like that. super fun, you know? Yeah. <laughs> breakfast is really stupid. <laughs> Did you say thoroughly stupid? Eating <laughs> <laughs> so. breakfast is thoroughly stupid. Do not listen. One star. <laughs> uh, I like after this, too, when um, uh, the doc, Wilford Brimley, is like taking blood samples of the dogs, and he's got Clark there. Um, and he's like, uh, so. Like how how long were you with that dog? And then he's like, well, I don't know, we're just hanging out in camp for like maybe five minutes here and there. And he's like, okay, okay. He's like, Why are you looking at me like that? He's like, oh, it's probably nothing. What do you mean it's probably nothing? <laughs> probably nothing. <laughs> we just, did you just see what the fuck I just saw? Yeah, we, we were my all dogs there. turn into something. Yeah, and wanted to kill us, and then you burn them. I think, uh, I, and you know what? This is again. This is why I kind of wish there wasn't the um, initial. Uh, UFO thing, mm. right? Because they're discovering stuff, right? And Completely. It's, I wanted it to be something along the lines of maybe it's from one of the dogs. Maybe it's from this. Maybe it's like, and, and I think I think McCready has already kind of said like, uh, what's well, a UFO? Like, what do you want me to say? Ask him. You know, ask Doc or, or, or uh, Blair, you know? Ask, ask him. Because um, I think it would have done what John Carpenter and these movies want to do all the time is just be ambiguous. And so I think that it just kind of takes me back to the beginning. I kind of wish that didn't happen because mm, I, I would have been more along. I would have been more probably engaged thinking about it this way, you know? I see that. But that's it. Yeah. What fucking AI medical program is Blair using that's like, <laughs> like this is my opinion on what is happening and I'm yes. going to write an essay about it as a computer. Like, that was a little bit weird. The um, what do you call that? Like you know where you're trying to tell people what's going exposition. on. Exposition. Exposition. Yeah. I that was a little like I it worked. I didn't think much about it, but I was also like, okay, that's the exposition, huh? Just the oh, the computer's going to tell us that the whole world's going to die, and this is bad, and uh, you want this. About all that was missing was was that computer talking like the chess one was computing, computing, <laughs> and hence, computing, and hence. <laughs> compute. <laughs> 
27,000 hours into it's like yeah, you know right. like that kind of a thing but it's it's true it's you like you need the information yeah. but it's also like well okay. you need to know what big a threat they're dealing we with we do need to know this yeah, yeah. i and i did the math uh, 27,000 hours is uh, 1,125 days it's not so bad yeah. dude we can, I could, we can figure it out i could get a lot done if i knew i had 3 years yeah, yeah. i no, could get no a lot done I think I think I could too. We could do about another 150 podcast episodes. And who's to say? Let, let's 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 get this out of the way, guys. Who's to say it's really going to be? What do you say? What do you say? You guys both said that. I couldn't get it out. I swallowed I my beer. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. Who's to say <laughs> that honestly life wouldn't be that much worse as a thing? Yeah, you know, it might be tight. What's the end game here? You know, what's the end game, guys? It also calls into question: know? Do you know if you're the thing? Yeah, which is super creepy to me. Yeah, like, I don't think you like, do. Right? I don't think you do either. Which I like better because it, it's more terrifying. Because yeah. not knowing you are, and then once the organism is under threat, you just Ugh. you just fall then apart. It, you become then it goes yeah. into fight or flight mode. But yeah. wait, but wait, hold on. Do they? Did they kill you? Do they like, okay, so I'm, I'm going to kill this person as the thing. This person is now dead. Then I become a completely separate version of you. Or do I go inside the dead body and become a right. dead body? What, right. what, what happens? I don't know. I think maybe if it's like, if there's it, the torn clothes aspect yeah, of everything. If, so- it's, if it's not like, um, if it doesn't have another thing, if it's not hosting another thing right now, uh, maybe it's like, I'm in dire situation. I have to kill this person and, okay. and, and become, just become that person. Um, that might be it. Cause it's, there's so many goddamn theories and i'm not I even like sure this, though i i like i don't want to know some of these things yeah. I, I i really sometimes i don't like this but in this movie i really do like that i don't know what's going on we're part of it with these guys and we st- sometimes things aren't perfect sometimes even at the end of it you've killed the threat you're like i still don't know what the hell happened yeah. or if i did it you know i love that well and i i agree with you because there are very much times where i it's it's annoying but i think i think when you can answer the question that you're asking, well, does it or any question, right? Like any not non-specific, but it's well, does it kill a, kill the person or does and then assume or does it like spread into that person and now that's like going through it? And then I think the best thing about it is you can just kind of say, "Great question." Yeah, yeah. I think they, that's oh, that's a great question. That's actually, what John Carpenter you know? says he's like, as soon as you try and start figuring it out, you're doing exactly what I intended. Exactly. You know? and see, that's the important thing. About by the time I got to watching second time and third time now i get it okay it's like now okay fine fine okay i think we had another movie that um we kind of talked about a similar thing that um you know i always talk about rewatchability and i think there's a difference between rewatchability and whether or not you have to w- keep watching it to try to figure stuff out right. and whether or not that's a good thing honestly sure. it's all opinion so so scene three, the remains of a malformed humanoid assimilate an isolated Bennings, but Windows interrupts the process and McCready burns the Bennings thing. The team also imprisons Blair in a tool shed after he sabotages all the vehicles, kills the remaining sled dogs, and destroys the radio to prevent escape. The men lose faith in Gary's leadership and McCready takes command. He, Windows, and Nowles finds fucks. Burnt corpse and surmises he committed suicide to avoid assimilation. Windows returns to base while McCready and Nalls investigate McCready's shack. So I, I, we didn't talk about them discovering what the Norwegians found was was the actual ship and uh, Albert Whitlock's map paintings, like the 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 big um, like over 
overarching shot yeah. is just like uh, the characters in the foreground, and it's just a painting of them put over a painting that Albert Whitlock did. He he yeah. worked a lot with uh, Alfred Hitchcock, like with the birds and Marnie and stuff, and the, he would do that a lot where a lot of establishing shots are just paintings, yeah. and they would have characters kind of go through it. Um, and so that's, a, that's done a lot here. Uh, what do you guys think about that as a technique? Have you ever really seen that before in movies? I I know I have. I can't think of what they are. And but and there's I like it to a degree because um there's something there's something fun about it. It's uh there's a part of your brain that can tell it is and there's a part that can't. And then it's fun to kind of uh it kind of adds to the uh fantastical element of it. You know what I mean? I I think personally. It's like I can kind of tell that that's a painting, but that doesn't look like some of it, but either way it makes you guess a little bit more and it it kind of as long as you accept it, I think it makes it a little bit more fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my only, like, kind of gripe with the movie at this point is that that ship looked open. Am I wrong? Like, the hatch looked right. open. Yeah. Why didn't they go in there? And if they did, why didn't they tell us that they did? And if they did also, why didn't they tell the audience, like, what they saw and what they found? Why wouldn't you go in there? Right. They were already dumb enough to say, let's bring this weird two-faced burnt corpse yeah. back to our, without hazmat suits or anything, let's just bring it back and we'll all just kind of stand around and breathe it in. That's the 80s, man. They, they're, they're, <laughs> they're already dumb enough to do that. I mean, you might as well get in that spaceship. Yeah. I mean, I would have. I mean, at that point, it's just, why not? There is a point where you kind of, this whole movie is just kind of, well, at that point, yeah. Why the fuck not? It's and it takes <laughs> to to your character thing. It takes these badass dudes who kind of don't really It's almost like a lot of them don't have much to lose. Yeah. Cuz any normal group of humans that were there that live everyday life and are on TikTok every day, it's like they would have been losing their shit going, "How do we we have to get out? I have to get back to my family. We've got to figure this out." True. These guys are like Well, we like are like stuck here. Blair, this is a bleak bleak moment where Blair Looks like he's like just sabotaging everything. He just doesn't want anyone to get off this planet. Yeah, Plan- he- I say planet because it essentially that's the cool thing about choosing to do this in Antarctica. We think aliens, we think other planets. Antarctica is another planet. Yeah, this for is all intents and purposes, this is actually well. this is actually the worst place for this thing to be. Yeah, because it's it free. Like we we assume that a hundred thousand years ago it froze and then they just dug it up. So a bunch of idiot aliens, like they have the power of like interstellar travel, but they're like. <laughs> Let's go land on that white stuff. <laughs> well, <laughs> ah, shit. They're like, ah. oh, that looks like the beautiful sands of our home planet. Let's go down there. <laughs> Let's go down there. Will you turn that music down? <laughs> I cannot do Southern accent. Turn it down, Xander. Hey, Zach. Zach. Boom, boom, bam, boom, bam, boom, bam. Zach, get up here. You think that's sand? Yeah, that's sand. You gotta be saying, don't go by the blue stuff. And go ask the queen quick. I'm gonna, oh, God, a rock. <laughs> that's what happened well guess we're going there uh, <laughs> oh god no you're dude you're right man it's like it's so it's so bleak at this point like they're all and they're all kind of just like yeah yeah and like the whatever bennings gets taken over and the way they've he, seen this by the way at this point they're just like, what the yeah, fuck yeah the, the way he looks at mccready and just <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Sorry, they have southern accents in the most southern continent. <laughs> <laughs> no, they, they've why. learned. They, they were studying up on, on the earth. They, they have a little twang down south, <laughs> so we better get used to that. Talk yeah. like this. <laughs> the deep south. 
<laughs> Sorry, go ahead. No, it's fine. Uh, no, it's just it's just so <sighs> super creepy the way Bennings looks at that and the way he yeah. goes out, you know. And then I love the sh- the shot of Gary. He talks to McCready and he's like, "But McCready, Bennings is my friend. I've known him for a long time. Like, I, it feels genuine." And he's like, "What the fuck's going on? Like, yeah, my friend died. Yeah, like, what is this shit?" He's like, I've known him for ten years. And McCready's just like, "We got to burn the rest of them. Like, yeah, it's, yeah. it's they're you know human. We don't matter anymore." I'm like we creeped, gotta take care of this. I'm creeped out by the stuff up to this point of like the dog uh, humanoid thing and all that weird stuff. But and then and then of course you see what happens to Bennings, and then you say and then you see him walking out and he's got the hand stuff go, like he hasn't fully assimilated yet still, and that to me is my favorite creepy parts of this. Is when they are kind of still humanistic. Yes, same. And they and he's and it's it's the look on his face, that blank look on his face of just nothingness. Yeah. And then scream you know, yelling and yeah. We'll get to it a little bit later, but it's the most terrifying part of it to me is like when once the once the creature either is assimilating you and is I guess maybe vulnerable or has already assimilated you and then feels threatened, mm-hmm. at what point do you die? And at what know. point do you realize what's happening to yourself? And it, that's super fucking creepy to me to think about. Right. It's it's is it body snatchers or right. is it or is it something else? You know. Right, right. Yeah. Very weird. Another kind of glossed over badass moment of this movie for me that's so glossed over is when uh, McCready's like, "Well, hey, I need you, Nalls. I need you to go back." Or uh, he sends somebody. He sends Windows. I need windows. you to go back. Yep. We're gonna go to my shack, and he's like, "Why?" He's like, "Well." Because when I left yesterday, I turned the lights off. Super creepy. I yeah. love that. Setup. And they show it, and the lights are on, and he's not creeped out. He's just like, gotta go check it out. Yeah, that's terrifying. It's very scary, and he's willing to go do it. You know, and if you're Nalls, you're like, no, 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 that's a Nalls for me. The Nalls. That's a Nalls. That's gonna be a Nalls for me. It's like, damn it, Nalls. Can I get a y'all's God? It's all nulls and no y'alls in this movie. It's all nulls, no y'alls, and ah. <laughs> I like great. the the blood southern s- accents. <laughs> <laughs> the blood scene um, where uh, they, they um, somebody got to the blood. Yep. In in the containers or the container. This is the most horrifying scene for John Carpenter to film was because he's like, I have how many 10, 11, nine at this point, maybe uh, of these people standing around and they have to say lines like, how do I shoot this? I can't just shoot them all as like a one shot. It's fucking boring. And it's just, this is filmmaking to me where it's, you have these people in a room, where do you put the fucking camera and what do you cut to? That's I, I have no clue because I'm terrible at that. It's, it's an extreme talent to, to be able to do this. And uh, he, he's, he didn't even know what he was going to do when he got there. Like he was standing there at the camera, actors ready. They know their lines, and he's still he's like, I sh- I don't know. I don't I'm know just gonna to do you. it, and it's just brilliant, man. And I think I think the editing is kind of underrated as well. With like, um, I assume at that point you just shoot coverage, and have you know, if you're John Carpenter, you are brilliant at filmmaking already. Um, and so the editor's just like, yeah, I mean, I'm just gonna cut it like this. Sure. Um, super hard to do. Bar out the you know the effect shots. Just the human shots of people interacting are what terrified John Carpenter the most, you know? I, I love that about it. I'm going to bring it up now because at this point uh, we've gotten Blair, Dr. Blair, locked into the yep. tool yep. shed, right? And so the next time he comes back, he finds a noose. 
the, well, yeah. like it's hanging in front of him, right? I want to come back in now. I want to come back in now, okay? <laughs> and so this is kind of my answer to what you'd asked about earlier is do they die or do they kill you and then they basically assume your body or something um, or or something else. And I think, I think that um, however it may have happened or what time – and that's the other nice – that's the other thing that you're trying to figure out is if they did turn, then when, right? Mm, right. So – I like to think that uh, he did, in fact, use the noose on himself at ah. some point or another and was found and assimilated. Mm. And then I don't know at what point he was talking to Blair or talking to the thing. Mm. I've got a theory. I've got some theories on that later that okay. we'll talk about when when people were turning and, when, and a timeline and stuff like that. Okay, but I, cool. That's I kind like of it. a cool thought. Yeah. I, it, I just thought like, it was the interesting. the thing was making him kill himself kind of. Right. Like, or he's... He, you know, he knew that he, he might knew. have had it. He, well, he he either knew he ha- he might have had it, or he knew um, he knew what McCready figured out is we're not getting out of here. Uh, yeah, and yeah. that's oh, no, why he, he de- also Blair and not only that he knew that he's like we're not fucking leaving. Yeah, he he also knew that we shouldn't leave. Yes, and so that's why he's destroying everything. Yep. So Blair is actually, in my mind, the actual hero of this movie. I think so. Mm-hmm. Um, even though he was assimilated, I believe, at some point or another. Mm-hmm. And so he's the actual hero. He went through the whole process and then decided at one point or another, we're not right. getting out of here, and he ended up killing himself but being assimilated. I see that. I like that a lot. And uh, I do think w- one of those uh, reviews that you read said there's no comedy in this. There's no like nothing. There's It's just all yeah. bleak. I think that shot's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Which The one where he just opens up, there's yes. a noose. Hey, <laughs> I'm better now. He's like, oh, come on, man. I'm all like, better now. I'm, I'm not going to hurt anybody. Won't you? I, no, I, I want to come back inside. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they just shut the door <laughs> I love on. It. I think it's hilarious. It's, I, again, I think it all goes back to when it could have happened. I still think up to that point, personally, Blair was still human at that point. Yeah. One so. quick question before we move on. Why in the world was Kurt Russell never named Sexiest Man Alive? I don't um, know. It's, the man is gorgeous. Look at him. Behind AJ. Oh, oh sorry. Yeah, oh, yeah. That. No, sorry, AJ. He goes, <laughs> the, the, the man, the man's even meant to look in this movie like not good. Yeah. Like a beard, a beard was not a thing. Like, you know, beard was not a sign of like, oh, wow, cool. Look at this beard. Right. It's like, oh, beards, you know? Yeah. He, he's, yeah, he's just wearing this dumbass prospector hat. <laughs> I was just going to say, I think we found our answer. I, mean, well, I don't know. I think pretty he's, badass. I think, yeah. I think Kurt Russell's not only an incredible actor and human, but he is a gorgeous man. Yeah. I, and got shocked he never won Sexiest Man Alive. I've said it before, man. He, it, that's the body I'm going for. That's yeah. the look I'm going for my entire life. My and entire I, life, I will work my ass off, literally, to get to that place. Fair enough. Um, are we to, uh, we're, so McCready gets inside? After? Not yet. Okay. So they, they've just left. We're going to move on to scene four. Cool, so cool. during their return, Nalls abandons McCready in a snowstorm, believing he has been assimilated. McCready breaks in and holds the group at bay with dynamite. After losing Cooper and Norris, he proposes testing blood samples from each survivor. Clark rebels and is killed. Everyone passes the test except Palmer, whose blood recoils from the heat. Exposed, the Palmer thing transforms, breaks free of its bonds, and infects windows, forcing McCready to incinerate them both. You know what movie this reminds me of? I'm hoping you've seen this. In a weird way, this reminds me of Fallen with John Goodman and Denzel Washington. Hmm. Have you ever seen it? It was from 1998. It's this, no spoilers here, uh, an ancient demon can tr- can just transfer from body to body to body by, by touch. 
Mm. And you never know who it is. Yeah, I don't think I have, but I've heard of it. Oh man, fall, I don't. Sounds I haven't cool. seen Fallen in a long time. I don't know if it maybe still holds up. Maybe oh, it up. but it, it gives you that same creepy feeling that this movie does. Of this, like, fuck, I don't know. Is it you? Is it you? I have no clue. Oh shit, it's you. It's not you. I mean, it's just so terrifying. It's the, mental torture. This movie is right. The mistrust is that's that's what I was going for. Masterfully done. Yep. Like it is like. Th- there is no other movie I think that portrays uh, mistrust for one another, even though you're supposed to trust another human being, perfectly as this movie does. Um, and I think that's the point of this movie: is that you know the paranoia of uh, right around this time, AIDS was a thing. You know, mm-hmm. you're, you're not sure if if you have it, if I have it. You know, don't, like, don't touch me. You're on exactly. Me. There's no signs, and like especially at this point, no one knew how the hell you got it. Right. Um, Except sexually, I guess. But, uh, you know, there, it's it pointing out to somebody like, you know, Magic Johnson. Like, I, was it, was that a story, right, where he, like, was on the basketball team? And, oh, huge story, Like, no one yeah. wanted to be around him. It's like, it's such a shame. Right. But, you know, we just didn't know, I guess. And right. I think this movie just perfectly ca- encapsulates um, the feeling of paranoia and mistrust between humans. May or, may, they may or may not be having a threat toward you, you know. As far as uh, McCready getting back in, and everything, and uh, why why were people finding pieces of his torn up clothing? Yeah, because Fuchs did, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so and does then all of a sudden Nalls. Fuchs is burnt, and yes, yeah. and so then Nalls does apparently as well in up in the uh, that was ripped up and yeah. torn up in his shack. So do we think McCready? while he was gone at this point had assimilated kind of, and then come back now. I mean, it's been a while. Was it a full day since he wasn't in the shack and then he came back or, or I don't know, man. I, I've never thought, well, cause we, I guess he does prove that he's not the thing in the, in the blood well, test scene, but do you think so? We never saw, we never saw him cut his blood. Is there a reason why why we watched a bunch of people cut their hands open, but we never saw him cut his hands open? Because it would be a very interesting thing if the thing was like, I'll be the hero and I'll make it, I'll, I'll kill all of the other things that, that I infected other people with, and then I'll just be the one single one. Mm. So there's... Interesting. So, okay. So, you, yeah. You think that... Uh, so there now now we're gonna float the theory at least that McCready could actually be the thing. I don't think so, but I think it's fun to entertain for sure. Okay. I I think I'll tell you later, I do think that that it's, there's a very big possibility McCready is the thing. Okay. Is infected. Yeah. I have my uh, own final theory thought and whatnot too. So I'm excited to I can't round wait to table talk about this the part. Ending, yes. Yeah. Okay, let's just move to the end. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, okay, so I I love when McCready gets back in, he's got the dynamite, he's like, From now on no one gets out of my sight. Uh, I love that he's just like, I'm fucking done with this everyone I'm, he's a totally I'm different so what did he see in that fucking chat right yeah I, I you know i don't know i think he's just done with the mistrust yeah. in, in my opinion where he's just like i i'm we're doing the test and i'm, I'm gonna fucking figure it out and so norris has his heart attack and is on oh, the, the operating table this is probably this is where rob Bottin is i think this is the best special makeup effects in any movie ever made and will never be topped 100 percent my opinion, I want to know what you guys think as well. But confusedbreakfast.com. <laughs> uh, these still hold up today. They are still fucking incredible. I just think the 
I mean, first of all, the shock of the defibrillator going in the stomach, and the, they actually got a w, double amputee, and they made a face on the double amputee to represent uh, the doctor copper, right? I think it's yeah, name. yeah. Um, it looks that looks incredible, but then the head, like they just pushed a thing to separate the head. It just looks so fucking good. Yeah. Still, I can't believe it. No, I I agree with you. There, <laughs> this this scene had two two j- jump. Scare type moments for me. One was that I did not expect that he was going to cave in through his chest. Right. That, and then when he finally does hit the blood of um, uh, Palmer. Well, hey, okay. Yeah, yeah, we'll get there. But th- those are two gigantic, like, yeah, Jesus, what is going on here? Scares for me. That one, that one did it to me every single time. This part, um, this part, I have, I go back and forth. Do I think some of it looks good? Yes, I do. Um, I like the way that they did it. Um, then I just, but there is a point where it just becomes almost overwhelming and like, uh, to, it, it, it f- hits that point of evil dead almost to me mm. just a little bit. And it actually, it, I, I lose a little bit. It pulled me out of it, unfortunately. Um, because up to this point, like you're saying, like, I'm like, yeah, who is it? No, who isn't? Who who is? Who is not? Like, oh man, the mistrust is really building, and well, then we it's find out Norris. About, it's like, well, it turns out definitely Norris. Um, <laughs> and the other the other end of it though too is I like the way that it happened with the his chest opening up because it takes me back to what Blair was doing on the computer with like these dog cell uh, thing cell basically right, and it overtakes it. And I like to think about this this uh, the thing is literally a big cell, mm-hmm. you know, that it doesn't it doesn't have a mouth and, you know, hands and all this stuff. It just is. And it's different tiny cells. Yeah, and it's and it's it's technically it's community based or so, or whatever yeah. what do they say? Like a like a uh uh Hive mind kind of thing. Hive mind, yeah. Where it can do whatever it needs to do at any point in time mm-hmm. to do what it needs to do. And that means opening up a, a, the chest of this human and once that's compromised happen. yeah the head like tries to you know like from a flame like mccready says like crawling away from a flame like an animal right. would you know i love that aspect about it i that's okay i that's okay it's okay um i i think it's just fucking incredible i think the artistry is is insane and i one little anecdote about that effect in general is that they had this whole setup uh ready to go and uh, all of the all of the chemicals that rob Botin used in this were flammable like he had paint thinner and shit like that and so once they tried to do the scene the the flame went up and it burnt the whole effect and this took like maybe eight ten hours to build let alone set up with camera and lights and crew and so they did it all over again after that and they got it in one but it's just i can't believe you had to recreate all of that again yeah it's just so much work like obviously I can I can see why that dude was hospitalized for exhaustion. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, I'm I'm not going to you know what I'll save that for the end. Um, what I was going to say about you know you saying it's fine is um, or, or sorry about about him using like flammable things. Mm-hmm. I just think he's like, all right, guys, I finally got it done. <laughs> man, oh man. Anyways, some of this stuff is kind of flammable, so don't bring any fire near it. He's like. Carpenter's just like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's like from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's like, Rob, it's a flamethrower. Uh, <laughs> don't, don't get any fire near there. We're not doing that, right? It's like, uh, well, we're supposed to set it on fire. And so, oh. <laughs> so the head crawls away 
and we get the best line, in my opinion, of any movie ever made from um, Palmer. Yeah. You gotta be fucking kidding. Yeah, fucking kidding. It's, it's what just, we would all be saying. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like at this point, what the fuck can't it do? No. Yeah. God damn. And so he blasted away. Um, incredible scene. I just I I every time I see him, like, how the hell? I know it. How did anybody think of this? Yep. This and this whole blood scene is so crazy. I mean, first of all, just I hate seeing people slice into their hands and shit. The, that's the worst part about uh, it. When it they is. slow and why are they doing their thumb? It's, it's like you could you could have picked a better anything, spot. Like, anything. Have we never been to the doctor's office? I would rather like, do it just like <laughs> right here. Yeah. Instead of my thumb. It, well, and by the way, they just go. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go across the entire thing. So I think it's, we if can my get thumb, one drop, right? Yeah. One drop will suffice. If my okay. thumb had a throat, you cut my thumb's throat. Yeah. Well, yeah. and so who was the one that came up right with the, the idea? Who's the who's the person that came up with the idea of of sharing food and drinks and stuff? Oh, like uh, that, that was Fuchs. And Fuchs is dead already. So Fuchs would have been the one to probably step in here and be like, "Hey, I don't think we should let each other's same blood use knives. the same blade." Right. So when at, I wish they would have shown more, though, this is where we could have learned so much of that they would have shown everybody giving blood because they only show nulls and windows. Right. So the only ones we see, the rest of them, we're just assuming that off screen. Because if Palmer is infected, or maybe even McCready at this point, the order that they did that would have been so important. Yeah. 100%. Would have been That's so a very good point. important. Because Windows does use nulls. Like right yes. after Nalls, I'm like, dude, that's the whole thing. Yeah. What are you doing? And luckily, and both those he guys does. He he does wipe it on his pants. Yeah, but that's it. Yeah, that's it. That's I mean, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, this scene is the best scene of the movie, 100 percent in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, I I I just truly think that this is a masterfully paced, uh, edited and directed uh, scene because. Do you get? Did you? I mean, once the thing popped out, did you realize it was a fake hand or not? No, I just was like, yeah. It's because he shows you earlier. Like he, like once he's, it's, this is complete nonsense. N none of this proves the things. I thought you'd say that Gary, you the only one could have got to that blood. He rhythmically, John Carpenter rhythmically makes you comfortable with the scene and showing everyone's faces, uh, and only half the face of one of the characters. Um, but he rhythmically, rhythmically makes you comfortable and he, uh, deliberately had that fake hand there in one of the shots that it didn't pop out because he wanted to let you see it first, you know? Um, Weird. Like, he wants you to, like, like a good effect, you want to see, like, a, if someone had a machete and uh, was, like, chopping someone's head off with it, you want to see it cut something first. That's, what, that's one of Tom Savini's kind of... Uh, um, well, that makes sense. Things he does, like you want to see it malleable first, and then you'll see the cutout version where it like hits someone's head. Yeah. Like he's rhythm rhythmically making you comfortable with this, and then the jump scare happens. It's just so good. Well, it's perfect mixed misdirection because we're starting to believe, yeah, this is a dumb idea. This isn't gonna work. Mm -hmm. And then he evens like it's he's pretty much saying it's gonna be you, Gary. You're the one. We're yeah. saving you to last. Like making you go, okay, well, cool. Palmer's not gonna be it either. But, ah, it is Palmer. Yeah. It's unbelievable. And so that once some red herring action in it there is. a little bit. Yeah. When McCready's saying his theory about the whole thing, he's like, I, I got to thinking we'll see a nurse's head fucking crawl away. Um, they, they shows it goes from windows to Palmer. Everyone's face is extremely well lit except for Palmer. Palmer yep. is literally 
just like one side of his face is shadowed. And that was Dean Cundy's idea. I think you have some stuff on this. Well, th- yeah, they talk about this. There's a lot of theories out there about the eye gleam, which, yeah. right. which does not hold up it throughout the whole movie. It doesn't. And it only holds up in maybe this scene. This scene. Yeah. Where if you go back and watch the whole thing, like you said, he shows everybody's face multiple times and they all have these shine twinkling coming from their eyes. And Palmer doesn't. Yeah. I Palmer's mean, just black nothingness coming yeah. from his face. It's it's very, very brilliant. But and you don't notice this watching this for the first time. You're not going to notice You're this. not going to go, wait, his face is darker than the rest of them. But Maybe something subconscious Subconsciously, in you. yes. And, and right. I do like the misdirection as well as Windows. Like as, he, as McCready's doing his thing, he's like looking down and like he's doing a Kubrick stare basically. Yeah. Uh, and it's, I like that about it. But then this is like where I come up with the most horrifying fact about it is that did – uh, Palmer, no. Did he sure know that he was infected? Like it. I don't know because, like, he starts shaking. He's like, "Is that him knowing? Is that him realizing that he's a thing?" And then it just fucking breaks his face start, open. The thing getting ready to go. Like, Either way, it's just right. so fucking scary to me. It is, it is, and that's the with uh, with is it Th- is it Thomas Waits? Is that yes. um, that's from the Warriors? Windows, and that's yeah, that's Fox from it the took Warriors. Me forever to be like, how the fuck do I know that guy? The, that the was the whole joke in Warriors, like Fuchs and Fox. I, ah, I got really? confused with Fuchs. In are that we? Episode. I gotcha. Are we sure that he didn't voice Raphael, <laughs> the Ninja Turtle? I'm pretty sure he did, guys. He was supposed to be a star, and he never paid. And off. And he never paid off. Uh, no, but I, 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 I really, really do like the idea of. Um, it, I think it adds to the fact. that of Sean's case that maybe they just don't know. You just don't know. And and like Windows is like in this thought process, he looks like he's going to be the one to turn. And oh yeah. It, it's like it's leading you down that path and then it just goes all the way to Palmer. And like I think the I think the wind or the eyes thing, right, is um I I I remember hearing about that too that kind of John Carpenter even was maybe the yeah. one who kind of squashed Ugh. it. He was like and they they did some production like that, but then they didn't finish production that way. It'd be way. impossible to do the whole movie that way. Yeah, it's, it's so possible. hard. Yeah. What a subtle what a subtle thing to to try to keep going. Not that it's impossible by any means, but at the same time, I'm glad because uh it, that it didn't pan out that yeah. way. So the, before we get to the last scene, I think my favorite line of the movie in best deliverance is Gary. Donald yes. Moffat, <laughs> yes. when he's there yes. and he's like, because that's how we would all, you were just stuck next to this thing, tied. Well, yeah. he's like, sorry, tied so- to this <laughs> fucking couch. <laughs> and before <sighs> that, before that, child is like, get me out of here. Get me away from him, goddammit. Yeah. I love just like, <laughs> and to add to his irritants, oh. he's just like, God, son of a bitch. I had to be fucking last. Yeah, right, yeah. exactly. Uh, uh, child has some, some just great line delivery of just like, just. I don't know. I God, I wish I could remember it directly that he's just like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> this was his first role. Yeah. Uh, and he went on to a very prolific, huge awesome career. career. Yeah. yeah. Huge. Worked with Carpenter, uh, I think, one other time with They Live and obviously the Pitch Black. Pitch Black. Obviously uh, the army. If, if you yeah. were somebody wrote a story about your life, um, would anyone want to read it? Goliath and Gargoyles, the voice of, yes. voice of many uh, voice actors. and Yeah. yeah. Good stuff. Well, let's end this final scene. Childs is left on guard while the others go to test Blair, but they find that he has escaped and has been using vehicle components to assemble a small flying saucer, which they destroy. Upon their return, Childs is missing and the power generator is destroyed. McCready, Gary, and Nalls agree that the thing cannot be allowed to escape and set explosives to destroy the station. The Blair thing transforms into an enormous creature and kills everyone but Mac as he is able to detonate the explosion. Childs returns as McCready sits by the burning remnants, exhausted and slowly 
nearly freezing to death, they share a bottle of gross scotch whiskey. <laughs> I have to bring up really fast again some of what some of what took me out of uh, uh, of this again uh, was unfortunately when the Palmer thing uh, basically kills Windows. Yeah, it, it, flailing around, flailing that around, and disgusting. It's disgusting. I think it's maybe some of the most lackluster of the like practical effects yeah. and everything with a dummy some, and the, some pillows in a, in a yeah paint. and and unfortunately that was another part and and i i also hate the trope of too scared to do anything until you're ready to and then you get eaten yeah. you know and I, i'm not a big i i don't like that trope yeah it's it really frustrates me i agree with you you know so anyways moving moving on uh, to one it. one thing on one last thing on that scene too uh a, if you haven't listened to the commentary with John Carpenter and Kurt Russell on this movie, give it a shot. It's fucking so much fun. One, it's fascinating. And two, Kurt Russell seems high as fuck in this. And he is just laughing at every single scene. And it's it's delightful. Cool. Yeah. Like he is the coolest person on the yep. planet Earth and proves it in this commentary. And John Carpenter just smoking the whole time and laughs like ah 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 at like whatever Kurt Russell is saying. It's so fun. That's but fantastic. Also in the scene <laughs> they just got high together for a commentary. <laughs> honestly. Um in the scene too where he throws a dynamite at the thing in when it bursts out of the wall which, you know, horrible carpentry right there. But um he throws <laughs> throws a stick of dynamite. You see Kurt Russell collapse. As as the bomb goes off, that was real. Like it, the the explosion no like actually shit. knocked him on his ass. But yeah, they had real dynamite in this yeah. movie. <laughs> real Jesus, dynamite. Man. Yeah this this whole uh, this whole end is just pretty climactic at this point too. I mean, they're finding out that that Blair has changed. They're going in. They're finding his building, just building the flying saucer underground. It, well, how are they even going to get the flying saucer out from under the ground? How yeah. is he a researcher like, in Antarctica and not making like flying cars? Well, like Elon Musk. But no. So you're we're thinking that that he, Blair knew nothing about building spaceships. But like the thing, the thing right. has infiltrated his brain. But gee, how are they not knowing this is going on? I think. Where's it getting the parts? How long does it take to dig a tunnel through ice? <laughs> how long has it been going on? Yes. Because it doesn't have to just be Blair who's building it. Ooh. Mm. Right. So the right. hive mind, just whoever's out there, just goes down there. Yeah. Whoever just happens to be disappeared for long enough for them to do it. Maybe McCready at some point was doing it too. Sure. Yeah. He's the only one that lives outside of the facility in the oh, shack. He gets such a cool shack. I know, right? Mm. Um, a helicopter pilot. I got to do I it get a shack. Yeah, I got a shack. <laughs> Shacking in the shack. Yeah, I got a shack, man. Yeah, I got a shack, man. This is again uh, the, and I didn't even see it until I don't know, maybe the very last time that there was maybe some of, is it Blair's face in the big creature thing and like um, the the final boss essentially. Final boss. Yeah, yeah, the final boss. Like yeah, the, the, you know this, and they go down there and they get separated. Uh, who is it? Copper, the copper thing, he gets Gary. Yeah. Gary with two R's. Gary. <laughs> yeah. Gary. Gary. Yeah, he, he can also be a, a wonderful plastic surgeon. I mean, he's facelifted that guy straight up. Yeah. Quite oh, literally. That's a funny joke. That's, <laughs> that's, a, that's a good joke. I, hey, that was a fun that's, one. That's a really good yeah, joke. And I like that. Yeah. That was good. Yeah. Hell yeah, man. So, <laughs> um, yeah. I, uh, th- this whole thing was supposed to be a lot bigger. This, like, and a lot of these are miniatures, too. I, fr- I forget the lady who did all the miniatures, but they're really good. Um, it's supposed to be a, like a, this is like the only like stop animation in the movie where the thing pops up out and the tentacle flaps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it looks all right. And uh, I, I just give it a pass because everything else looks so good to me. Um, 
But I, I do like this line too, where he's like, "Yeah, fuck you too," as it screams at him. Um, <laughs> it's probably my favorite line of the whole movie. It's very yeah. Tremors ish. It's yeah, very Tremors ish. It feels like Kevin Bacon's just yelling, "Yeah, yeah. fuck you too." <laughs> <laughs> um, at, in the at, like, in the original cut, there wasn't like a, a monster scream. Gotcha. When it when it got blown up, uh, and the test audiences wanted to know that because it's right. such they, a dour ending, they wanted to know that the alien was actually dead. So they added a stupid fucking scream at the end, um, which whatever. But tell us how you really feel about it. Yeah, it's a stupid fucking ending. <laughs> no, um, well ne- then the, it's because we want to get to the real ending. The yeah. real ending. Let's talk about. It. There's probably a lot to talk about I, here. huh? Yeah, I think so. I have a question for you. Do you notice um, they show that wide shot of the the base being on fire mm-hmm. and exploding, mm-hmm. and you see Max Shack is is fine. Mm. Then then they cut back to like they show everything's burning, and they show Mac with now he's got a blanket and he's got a bottle. And even in the script, he had like a chessboard. He brought a chessboard with him and apparently had a flamethrower. So then they show it again, and Max Shack is completely on fire, mm. just f- 500 feet away from the regular explosion. Did Mac go and like set his shack on fire after he grabbed all of his stuff? Why is his shack not on fire and now on fire after Mac has gone to get all this stuff that he wants? I think the important thing is that he still has his hat. But also, yes. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, but does he have a flamethrower with him? In the script, he does. In the script, he does. Under his jacket. And, okay. and he also had a chess, his, uh, like a, a mobile chess board mm. in the script. They don't show it in, this, in the right. movie, but yes. Okay. Yeah. So like he maybe, went, maybe he made a trip. Did. He made a trip to his shack. And then came over to where we see where we consume the ending. So I don't know if anybody out there knows what's going on with that. If that's just a weird continuity, but I think I almost propose that McCready is actually assimilated. And there's some thoughts here on this. Where I mean, okay, so what are the four possibilities here? They're both human at the end. Childs is human. Mac is infected. Mac is human, Childs is infected, or that they both are. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, there's a thought. Have you seen that there, there's a thought? Actually, let's talk about this one first, that um, there are two different things right. that are warring one. against each other. Have you heard this, Sean? No, I have not. <clears throat> so thing number one comes from the dog. The dog licks Bennings, infects mm-hmm. him. Bennings drinks from McCready's J&B scotch bottle right there. Puts his saliva on the bottle, then McCready takes that back, drinks it later, which now has infected McCready. Uh, Fuchs discovers McCready's torn shirt, uh, so we know something's happened. He's assimilated here. Uh, McCready visits Blair, brings Blair's vodka bottle, takes a swig of it, then leaves it for Blair. Mm-hmm. Blair was fine, and then all of a sudden, the next time we see him after the vodka bottle, he's like, I'm ready to come back now. Mm-hmm. So Blair has now, then the, the second one would be the alien corpse that then now starts infecting people as well. And the mm-hmm. argument is that they can both like reinfect each other. And they're basically warring these two different th- types of things. The chain of events here. That, that is <clears throat> super fucking funny. Isn't that nuts? So thing <laughs> yeah. one, McCready provided fake replacement blood for his blood test, but he did the blood test to try to flush out thing two, which he did by discovering thing two Palmer. Mm-hmm. Thing one, McCready was trying to kill off all traces of thing two, like you were saying, mm-hmm. kind of like you were saying earlier. Uh, there's a possibility people were infected tw- twice. Um, Bennings might have been infected by th- thing one, the dog lick, but then later the alien corpse 
after or before being burned. Blair might have been affected by thing one via the bottle and later thing two through Palmer. Mm-hmm. It's kind of fucked up. But then if that ta- if that is true, that takes you to the last scene where this guy, this is all from like Reddit. I wish I would have wrote his name down. You can definitely find this if you go out cool. there. He says that he thinks Childs is human and McCready is thing one, which we think he got infected from earlier. Nobody besides McCready and Fuke know that the inspection could spread through saliva. They're the only ones that know it. So Childs wouldn't know not to drink from McCready's bottle. Mm-hmm. So the last thing is McCready handing his bottle to Childs. The thing music starts playing. He laughs. Childs drinks it. He's like, cool. You know, like I'm victorious. Gotcha. I beat thing two. I just infected thing two or, yeah. or, or I, I, I think two's gone now. It's just me. It's yeah. So much fun. I never, right? I never heard that theory before in my life. Isn't that nuts? That dude? is really cool. But props to the Reddit guy. I, I, I'm really sorry. I'm giving you props. I just forgot to write your stupid screen sure. name down or sure. whatever. Um, <laughs> your awesome uh, screen name. Fuchs, Fuchs, uh, told him about that in the snowmobile, right? Yeah. Is yeah. that right? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I do love that, and I, I have my own thought that we were honestly told the outcome of this in the first time that we saw McCready. What? Playing chess, who then dumps the bottle, in, or the, the, the bourbon, into the chess player, says, you cheating bitch. And in, in turn, that's... Uh, now, it, it plays into yours, actually. Yes, it's, it actually yes. plays right into yours. But I think uh, the other theory was that... Uh, uh, McCready had a bottle of gasoline mm-hmm. and then gave it to him, right? Because he's throwing Molotovs all over the place. Correct. So now you so can make a Molotov out of this. McCready's human Childs is infected. I think Childs is infected, and I think that uh, I think I think that McCready wouldn't be clutching or doing the things that he's doing, not un, un, not knowing that there's another person out there, um, and he would, and then he hands it to him. Thinking that the maybe the bottle or whatnot is going to uh, end the monster sooner. There's also less glimmer in the eyes of <laughs> and and breath too. And yeah. breath. Somebody somebody may have punched out the breath or, or debauched yeah. that one, but but at the same time you're right. And there there's a, there's one part that there's a glimmer in his eye, but at the same time, the, I think it's something like that in order to he kill thinks, it. Well, he, so you could say he's trying to kill it, or you can say he's trying to determine yeah. if he is a thing by, by assuming that this thing is just trying to act like a human. Yeah. At this and point. it does and it knows, right. It, well, it doesn't know what whiskey or gross scotch would taste like. Yeah. And so if, if child's drinks gasoline, if he it's knows gasoline. it's not child's. Ch- child's was off screen for so much for of that end thing, presumably killed and replicated. Child's knows that Mac is dead essentially like this is all over and he wants to take some time. This thing wants to learn, maybe have some conversations before it then gets frozen to be discovered again some Mm -hmm. other time. So Mac figures offering that bottle would be a way to see like, does this, does this thing? Cause the only thing about that though, is that you see him, Mac looks like he's going to take a drink. He's about to before child's even shows up. And that's what I think. So maybe he's trying to kill himself with gasoline. I don't, I don't think it's the gasoline theory. I think that he believes, or he knows that child's is, and he, he ends up giving him the bottle. Um, and this is why I'm going to rewatch this movie is to pick up on more things for my own theory. And I think that he has a, he's figured something out about giving this thing the alcohol. Yeah. That's it. It's such a, it's one of the best endings ever. And I, I think that the ambiguity and nihilistic, uh, ending 
is perfect and they wanted something else. They shot a bunch of other things. Yeah. They they uh. shot a bunch of like they showed McCready, you know, getting to or being rescued. Yeah, you're right. Child was dead. They showed McCready like being te- uh attended to by a doctor and they gave him the test and it was negative. Um so he wasn't wasn't. He, he wasn't. And it's just like that's no. And John Carpenter and Kurt Russell were just like no, it's got to be this way or nothing. Mm. Um I have a final thought on this movie if you guys have nothing else. The, the only other thing I want to say is okay. that I think um, the two other options is that Childs is human, Mac's infected. Like oh, we yeah, talked yeah. about how Mac got infected. And it's been so long. Mac was one of the first ones to actually be assimilated that he's just a perfect, mm. he's perfect version of himself that right. no one can tell anymore. So Childs is just, Childs thinks he's normal. And Childs is about to get killed by Mac. Mm. Um, or that truthfully... The nihilistic version of this that I like the most is that they're both human. Yes. And they're both hated each other, and now they're just kind of like, man, why did we hate each other? Yeah. Like, like we're we going are. to freeze to death. Maybe we should just sit here for a while and see what happens. It's st- see, I yeah. think it's the I, perfect I almost, line. I almost like that better. I 100% agree. And I, I love thinking about all those other theories. I think that's super fucking fun. Yeah. But in all in all, this nihilistic ending is the way to end this movie. And I, I really believe that they are both human yeah. and they're just going to be dead. Yeah. And I, Sorry. I, I agree with you. That's That line is the best way that this movie could have ended. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is... I don't know. We'll see what happens. Well, so this do, is, do you want to do it for your rating, or do you want to end it, and then we'll do ratings? Uh, we, yeah, I can do it in my rating. Okay. We have broken this apart with modern-day eyes. We've talked about the thing. We now have to give it a modern-day rating. AJ, it's going to be on you, man. I want to hear what you got to say about this. All right. So, like I said, I've talked a lot about movies and rewatchability. You guys, if you listen to us, then you know that that's one of my biggest components or proponents of of a rating, in my opinion, of how much you want to rewatch this movie. Now I have determined that there is apparently a difference of wanting to rewatch a movie um, because you enjoy the movie or because you now you have to try to discover something else. Yeah. Sometimes you can define that as, or you can say that that's the same thing, and you can say it's a different thing. Um, the reason I would want to rewatch this movie and probably will is for my own sake of joining the Easter egg hunt yep. and say and and devise my own theories. I think it's incredibly fun. I love the actors, I love the characters, I love the tension, the distrust. I love so much of this movie and unfortunately there are aspects of the you know grotesque aspects, I guess. Um you know, the makeup and sometimes that just let me down and not because it's an old movie. I can get past that. It's completely fine. There's just a point where, um, it's like, Hey, how far can we push the envelope of making this an absolutely insane, insane thing where at other times I was actually the best thing that happened to me of being creeped out was just a person who didn't have that wasn't fully assimilated Mm. with the hands bending bendings. And that was it. Right. That all being said, it is rewatchable. It's a great movie. There's some things that take me out of it. I think, honestly, uh, all things considered, um, I keep watching it and I keep enjoying it a little bit more. So I'm going to give a modern-day rating of a 6.7. We'll we'll let Sean go last. So for me, um, this is is a fantastic movie. I am not not a gore horror fan. 
Like that is just, we talk about it a lot where so, like even the best comedy in the world, how does that strike up to the, to your overall arcing of movies? If comedy is maybe not your favorite genre, I love everything this movie does psychologically actor wise plot wise. The only thing I don't like is just when it becomes the gore. Like mm-hmm. when it's like, yeah, you know, exactly. Like they, that, that's the part where I'm just like, it's, it's done. Is it done? Unbelievable. Yes, it is. It is awesome. It's way better than evil dead and, and how that was done, but that's not my favorite thing in the world. Um, so this is kind of cool where this is our, where in theory, our sample size is small enough with horror on this show to where you can directly look at what we've done. I would call, I would say that we have four movies to compare this to uh, weird enough. Jaw, Jaws, Aliens, The Shining, and Evil Dead. And so Jaws was my highest at an 8.6. Alien was 8.05. Shining was 7.2. I think I may have to revisit that one. <laughs> I want you to. But but Evil Dead, 6.45. This is better than Evil Dead for me. Yes. Um, but it's not quite overall product as good. Like, The Shining is better for me. I mean, it's psychological without the the unbelievableness. Um, so I'm, I still, I really want to rewatch this movie many more times because it was awesome. Yeah. Like I'm so glad we watched this movie. Um, so I'm a 7.05. Uh, I'm going to give you David Gould's executive producer rating. Thanks for being with us, David. We yes, love you, sir. Uh, watching this for the first time. All I could think was that this feels like the love child of 12 angry men and alien. Nice. But, it, but <laughs> yes. admittedly, I really enjoyed the ride. The story was thrilling. The mystery kept you guessing and the contained space of the Antarctic camp made you feel the tension throughout the entire film as the walls closed in. Were the visuals dated? Yes, but this helped the. Yes, but this helped this overweight man's heart from pounding out of his chest during the spooky moments. Was the score with the bass synth totally eighties with a capital eight? Yes, yeah, daddy. But, but in the best way possible. The story and editing of this film shows restraint, which is refreshing in our trilogy-minded movie culture today. Carpenter could have easily left you with a tease for chapter two, but instead left it up to us as viewers to finish our own story. Kurt Russell is a masculine powerhouse. Keith David is a badass with sultry tones, and Wilford Brimley's mustache was greatly missed. <laughs> the Thing now joins The Shining as a scary movie I have seen and actually liked. Will I jump at every opportunity to watch this film? No, I won't, just out of personal movie preferences, but I will gladly converse with anyone that wants to discuss it. With this all being said, my modern-day rating is 7.2. Good job. Sean, what do you got, man? Um, mm. I, I agree wholeheartedly with you guys, and I, I a, little, a little disappointed, uh, not disappointed, but a, a little, um, I guess, whatever, disappointed that the effects <laughs> don't hold up uh, to you guys as well as they do for me. I really do think that this is like a masterpiece, other than like maybe Tom Savini and Day of the Dead. And I do think that I, well, I'm kind of getting your guys' kind of horror taste. You like more psychological kind of more stuff to think about. I like that. I enjoy that. And I think this movie does that and the gore aspect. It's the best of both worlds. If, if you like both these, fuck yes. Yeah. Like, this is 100%. the best movie you've ever yeah. seen. Absolutely. And I, I think that the the tension that John Carpenter, I think this is John Carpenter's best movie. Um, Whoa. Yeah. Kurt <laughs> uh, <laughs> Russell's okay. amazing in it. Uh, the whole cast is incredible. I just think that the the paranoia is seeping off of the screen when you watch it. Um, but I don't think the anything that I could say is as better as um, 
Mariana Collin, who does the YouTube uh, channel The Morbid Zoo on YouTube. Uh, I said that. Um, go go check out this video. Go check out her channel. Uh, it's incredible. And I'll just give a little excer- excerpt of what she said. The thing is about deformity and is in an is and of itself deformed. It takes the framework of film narrative that we've come to expect with our familiarity with movies and turns it into something awful. A challenge to the idea that we should think of violence in movies as or otherwise as exciting, cathartic, or beautiful. You might think your world is compromised, uh, comprised of your loves, your wishes, your dreams, your thoughts, but John Carpenter knows different. John Carpenter is, is here to bring you the bad news that for all your fancy ideas and who you are and what you mean, you're really in the end, just meat. You're really in the end, just a thing. I think that's cool. incredibly beautiful. <laughs> I so like that, man. She said it more perfectly than I could ever have. So I'm going to give this movie a 9.7. Wow. Nine wow. point. So oh, great. We put out our top 10 individual <laughs> list and then Sean screws it up. Jesus. Sean hey, says, a new year, new me. All right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Thing. So Sean gives it a 9.7. <laughs> that takes us as a group to a 7.7, which will take us on the overall map of things. That will put us uh, at number 33, just above planes, trains, and automobiles, just below Monster Squad. Okay. I like it there. Oh. Like it's 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 a it's a really great you get into R seven to eight is like they are all awesome. It's a yeah. battle. It's just I a battle it. of movies down there. Yeah. Uh, well, we hope you enjoyed this episode. I know there's some people out there that are probably t- straight tens across the board that are like, what are you doing? Yeah. But if you listen to our show, if this is your first time, go back. You'll understand where we're at. We're trying to be as accurate as we can. And like, watching it, I was, I was like, this is a 10 for sure. This is my, my favorite horror movie of all time, but it's still a 9.7 just because, you know, I rewatching it. It's just like I noticed a few things here and there. I'm like, you know what? It isn't. Critical Perfect. critical rewatch will change your perspective. It's a bitch of a thing. Yeah. Uh, Sean, that pops it in a number five on your list, just about, just edging out T2 at a 9.6. Oh, fuck yeah. Wow. Uh, so be a, check us out next week. We got mall rats. We're finally hitting Kevin Smith. I am taking one for the team as my choice. I've been, you guys have been yelling at us, so I'm saying let's go, mall rats. Yeah. And then following that up with our Patreon choice, AJ gave the Patreons five kind of mafia movies, yeah, cheat, and they chose Goodfellas. Hell so we'll yeah. be hitting that out. Good choice. And if you're new to the podcast, go this. Uh, this time last year, we did Rad. Oh, yeah. We did rad, guys. I love and, it. And I, that's a movie that I really love. Oh, <laughs> and don't forget to leave us a voicemail. Call us at 319-804-9596. Leave us some feedback like today's caller. Hello. Um, I just wanted to say thank you so much. I love your podcast. I love it. I share the exact same nostalgia and, and passion for these childhood films and... I just, I've never met people who quote the most obscure quotes from these films and and pick up on all the little bits that I do. So it's so interesting to to watch it. Like, I, f- I feel like I found my people and I just love your passion. Yeah, I've listened to every episode and I'm, I'm always keen and awaiting the next. Um, my favourite, obviously, The Goonies. It's got to be The Goonies. My favourite film ever. Um, you're my key. <laughs> oh, you guys are amazing. I love what you cover in your podcast. I love the content. And you just cover all the best films, like Heavyweights. Are you joking? A cinematic masterpiece. Come on. Like, <laughs> you guys, I just, yeah, thank you. I listen to you all the time, every day. Um, I'm currently watching the tour of the Goonies house again. And I just can't believe 
like you went I can't believe it you're amazing yeah love from a very happy fan um yeah don't stop don't stop <laughs> yeah I love the Goonies love the Goonies so much best film ever made certainly but no oh so good um anyway thank you so much love you guys keep up the good work love from a super fan in london you're amazing two two straight up brits just hooking us up on the episode today uh we we love our our english fans we love your your, we love your football Mm -hmm. we love your 1975 all your bands we, yep. And we love you guys. Led Zeppelin was, was a good band. Yeah. yeah. Decent. Queen. Caps, Queen absolutely. was pretty good. Catfish, uh, Catfish and the Bottle Men. Yeah. Love it. Great stuff. Uh, um, she didn't <laughs> give her name, though. Yeah, I'm I know. I'm so sad. Uh, she, has, she messaged me on Instagram, uh, messaged us on Instagram uh, and left those messages. Oh, you she, can't call from overseas. She couldn't, she couldn't quite oh. get through to us, uh, actual voicemail. But uh, thank you so much. Um, uh, also, your, can your name we, is on our list of messages that us don't have it in front of me. Can we please ask you to like record an intro for us? I was just going to say, you know, like once a British person starts talking, I think <laughs> I think the air has left the room, and you just kind of have to be captivated, whether you like it. or I'm not. I'm going to send her a script that she needs to <laughs> needs to call in and record, so we can use it on the show. Be very much appreciated. I was Thank uh, you. captivated for the the whole time you were talking. Uh, it was wonderful, guys. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Thank you for listening to the thing. Uh, Sean's f- one of his favorite movies. Make sure you check us out anywhere on social media uh, at Confused Breakfast and just search for Confused Breakfast anywhere on social media. Make sure you're leaving us a review as well. Spotify, five stars. Apple Podcast, five stars. And write us that review because we love getting to read it, guys. It makes our day. Hop on to confusedbreakfast.com and uh, search our merch. You can get some shirts with our logo on it. You can get some shirts with our sayings on it. You can get some damn dang it stuff. Um, you can get some stickers there and some coffee mugs. Um, and go to our website also and look at our ratings, which the thing is just punched into my top 10. Uh, we, we just released um, our individual top 10s as well as our show and bottom top 10s. Mm-hmm. Um, and so go check those out. I just want to say real quick, too, thank you to His Way Press. Um, they sent us these shirts in, in honor of uh, Die Rock Hard being roll. a Christmas movie. Sent us some stickers and everything. Uh, so thank you guys and thank you for the lovely letter. And go to patreon.com slash confusedbreakfast. Sign up. Help us support it. That's one of the best ways you can do it. Tons of free perks for you there. Well, they're not free once you pay. <laughs> well, they're really great. Uh, and This show is produced by LAS Media Group here in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Thanks to Craig for manning the controls today. Check them out. LASmediagroup.com I think we're just going to go. Let's just leave. Let's think, just leave. Don't hit should. stop. Let's just walk out the room. Okay, I think cool. we should just encore, encore. maybe see. stay here and see what happens. Okay, cool. I think that's a good idea. It's getting cold. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.